Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex. And in this week's episode, the Live Golf Season wrapped up. We break down some winners and losers. The PJ Tour heads to Mayakoba, where Scotty Scheffler, former world number one, and Kyle Morikawa look to get back on track. We'll give you at least a few reasons to pay attention to the final two months of the year. But first... Ataya Thitical is the new women's world number one at just 19 years old. Thitical has had a historic rookie season on the LPGA with all Callaway equipment in the bag. In fact, she won in her first start on Callaway staff back in March. Her gear includes a Rogue ST driver, Apex irons. Hey, those are my irons. An Odyssey putter and Chrome Soft X golf ball. The world number one has said the driver is so fast and so consistent for her. And the golf ball performs well from tee to green. Now she has her sights set on winning player of the year over the next month or so. So for more on Ataya's clubs and balls, make sure to visit CallawayGolf.com. Rex, uh, you have a brand new microphone at home, Ew. finally matching up with me. Now you can accentuate the cold that you've been nursing uh, for the past couple of days. How is Teladoc? How is the real doc? Teladoc was a bit disappointing. And look, it was very easy to sign up for. They are not a sponsor, so we're not doing this as a shill. It was very easy to sign up for, but it was very underwhelming when I actually got on, on the FaceTime call and the lady asked me what was wrong with me. And I just kind of went, look at me. Like, look, just look at me. My God, look at how I look. I look awful. Uh, a lot of congestion, a lot of, uh, a lot of coughing, a lot of sneezing, really just walking around the house, just hacking constantly to the point that my wife finally made me take not the first not the second but the third covid test since i'd gotten home from miami last week just to make sure those don't work point. those don't work they have like a 40 percent success rate uh, i i either i have it or i don't i don't know anyway teledoc was was a very uh, underwhelming that's why i had to postpone today's taping because i had to go to see a real doc to get real meds so because i have to get better because starting tomorrow i'm playing in a very important tournament i got a member guest tomorrow so i got to be at 100 percent or something close to 50 percent maybe Wow, Sobes. Uh, it's, let's see, you're sick today. That means Sobes should be sick. This is Jason Sobe, former colleague of Golf Channel, uh, now Action Network extraordinaire. That means he'll be sick by, let's call it Sunday, uh, so, uh, Monday, uh, if we really want to be uh, conservative. I hate to hear that. I've had nothing but positive experiences with Teladoc. I have two kids under the age of four. Every time uh, I have a sinus infection, every time I have a head cold, every time I have some sort of sore throat, call up pink pink eye repeatedly, uh, go up and call my friends, Teladoc, completely free to use with our health insurance, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Shout out to all the Teladoc doctors out there. I appreciate you. I love you. uh, Even if Rex does not. Now, you did mention that you were in Miami last week. Uh, that was the last time we talked on this here Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I believe we talked on Wednesday last week. Uh, you ended up staying a couple more days. I guess with a, a week of reflection, that was the uh, your initial foray into the Live Golf experience. Uh, what, were your, what were your takeaways? What did you think the whole thing? Uh, I kind of I came away a little sad, if I'm being honest, because I feel like that golf has never been more separate, that there's never been two divergent paths that the game, at least the the professional game at the top of the professional game is on. Because I can tell you that you and I have lived this life this year of of live golf and the disruption. And we're going to talk more about it as we get into the fall. 
but we've lived it from one side. We have lived it in an echo chamber that I've talked about a little bit because we've been primarily on the PGA tour and we've been primarily talking to the advocates for the PGA tour, the Roy McElroy's and the Billy Horschel's and even the John Rahm's these players who have decided to re- remain loyal to the PGA tour. And, and I always was taking taken by how entrenched these players were on that side, that they are 100% and dogged, knowing that they are right, that there is no wiggle room here. Having spent some time with players last week, live players at the row, they're equally entrenched. And it made me realize that, man, the game's much, much further apart than, than I ever realized. And they will tell you, they're all say the same speaking points that, you know, the players on the PGA tour side will say that there has to be some conclusion to this, but no one has a clue what that conclusion could be. And so it, it, I walked away a little sad, to be honest with you. Uh, I understand what you're saying. Certainly regular season golf, I think is forever changed, even with some sort of resolution, whether there's um, live golfers allowed to be played, uh, play on the PJ tour or vice versa, like regular season golf is never going to be the same as it was. I think major championships then take on even more of a heightened importance, importance than they already do. And look, we still yeah. don't quite know, what that's going to look like, the qualification criteria for the 2023 majors. I would suspect that we'll uh, hear something uh, over the next couple of months. Now, Martin Slumbers, uh, the chief executive of the RNA, did let slip uh, last week in an interview with John Huggin of Golf Digest that they are committed to keeping the Open Championship open. That means whether it's Paul Casey, Henry uh, Schultz wouldn't apply, but Ian Poulter, whoever the case may be, if those guys want to go through open qualifying and try and play their way, into golf's oldest championship. Sure. uh, They are going to be allowed to do so, whether they're still going to have, you know, the top 50 in the world ranking as they currently have now automatically get in uh, certainly remains to be seen. It is an interesting point Rex, because now you have guys who at least at the beginning of the year uh, were inside the top 50 and now they're letting slip uh, as you have now two months remaining uh, in the calendar year. You think back to the beginning of 2022, 18 players, uh, who live is currently signed uh, were inside the top 50 at the beginning of the calendar year right now, two months left in the year, there are only 11 and those players uh, I would certainly say are on slippery footing thinking of Kevin, Na, Taylor Gooch, uh, Patrick Reed among them who certainly could fall outside the top 50 by the end of the year, unless they make a couple of more appearances. Now you had a chance to catch up uh, with a lot of players, players you probably haven't seen now, uh, for the next couple of months. And on Wednesday, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 2nd, you posted uh, a pretty detailed story on golfchannel.com. Basically, these live players, and it's been one of the talking points of their defection, is that they wanted to have a true offseason. I caught up with a couple of players in the PGA Tour, the CJ Cup. I'll talk about what, what happened next fall. But what was your takeaway from talking to those players now that they're going to have two, three months off roughly what are they going to do they're going to take time off they're going to actually quote unquote spend time with their family they go to play is. a couple of international events what's what's the deal i i picked up on the snark yeah i was waiting for the snarky because if you look at the way these players the live players have been you know it's been drilled into them that there's only three ways for you to answer the question why did you join live golf and it's these three you know bullet points and everyone outside of harold varner has stuck to these and it's always been well i want to grow the game and i want an extended off season and this was what was best for my family or some variation of those three answers and and so i was really curious exactly how many guys are actually going to take this two and a half three months which players never have not of this quality not of this caliber not at this height in the game you never have two and a half three months off without some sort of an injury 
And it, it was interesting to me that some of them were really looking forward to it. Paul Casey, who you just mentioned, like he, he could not have been happier. I cannot wait. He's not playing again until I think the Saudi International, which is where these players are all going to sort of pick up their seasons. It'll be about a week or two before the regular live season starts next year. All of them said that they're going to enjoy it to certain degrees. Like Paul Casey talked about just wanting to go out and spend time with his family and, and race his race cars. And Harold Varner talked about going hunting and he just joined the Grove 23 down in South Florida. And so all of them have sort of this vision of what life is going to be like with two and a half to three months off, which players at this level absolutely never get. I will say, however, and you brought this up just now, that there is some angst as far as first and foremost, there are some players who could probably try as best they could. There aren't too many avenues, but try as best they could to stay inside that top 50 in the world. Kevin Na was one of them that came up. I think he's 47th right now in the world, and he's trying to come up with some sort of scenario. Uh, it's very limited because I think Asian events are pretty much what he's restricted to at this moment. I don't think any DP World Tour events would allow him in at this point in time. Certainly, Harold Varner talked about maybe going and play the Australian PGA where he's a former champion and he feels like that might give him enough points. And then the other half of this is, is just staying competitive. I mean, Graham McDowell talked about, look, this has not been my best season. And it's because he couldn't get into any kind of flow having played just essentially eight events this year on, on the live tour and players who are accustomed to playing 25, 30 events of the year that that's just very, very difficult for them. So I think all of them to a man are going will say the right thing and I want to spend time with my family and I'm going to appreciate this, but they also have their eye on the fact that this is not what you normally do as a professional golfer. And there's going to have to be something in between. And look, there's, there's no one uh, forcing these players. I'm thinking particularly on the PGA tour of playing, you know, this week in my or next week in Houston, but like these guys are still playing. Now I think this is kind of a different case because they're trying to accrue points and make sure they don't fall too far down. Uh, in the FedEx Cup points list. Now, beginning in fall 2023, that's not going to be the case. And guys can uh, kind of pick and choose how many they want to play. But, like, it's in their nature to play competitive golf. If you take two or three months off, you don't know exactly how fresh, how much rust you're going to accumulate over that time. I think every top player has been clamoring for an off season, And in some respects, it does make a lot of sense. This would finally be an opportunity to actually have some legitimate swing changes if that's what you want to do rather than just kind of putting a Band-Aid over the problem. You really you can't make any sort of wholesale change to your swing. Maybe you want to change ball flights from hitting a fade to a draw, whatever the case may be. You want to hit it further. You want to hit it higher. You want to hit it lower. Uh, there's a, a variety of different things you can either do with your swing. Maybe you want to do some equipment testing. That can't really be done in the current PGA Tour schedule. You're maybe taking two or three weeks off at a time, as I had Max Homa explain to me uh, just a couple of weeks ago at the CJ Cup. Let's think if you have a two week break in between tournaments, right? Well, that first week, maybe you take a little bit of time off, uh, but it's really only two or three days. At that point, then you have a week to get ready while still spending time with your family for your next tournament start. It's only if you take maybe a month off in between tournament starts that you can actually have a legitimate break to recharge. And reset. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen. I think both live players and PGA Tour players are going to be playing a little bit more uh, than we probably expect. It's in their nature. They want world ranking points. Uh, it's what they do. These guys are so accustomed to being on the road, being in air, being in airplanes, being in hotel rooms, uh, to actually have three months off 
at home with nothing to do uh, is going to be a little bit of a culture shock. It will, and it'll be a competitive shock as well. I thought one of the quotes that Graham gave me, he talked about for guys in their 40s, this is going to be welcome. Like This is what we've looked forward to our entire career. Certainly, Henrik Stenson told me as much. But at the same time, Russ builds is what he told me. And then there's a competitiveness inside that if you let it sleep too long, is it going to wake up? And I think that's probably a concern that everyone's going to have to figure out. Because I think the exception in all this, and some amount of irony here, is that Dustin Johnson never seemed to allow these extended breaks to get under his skin competitively. So he seems to figure it out. But for the most of these guys, it's going to be difficult making the transition from what they're normally used to. And if you're a European player, as soon as you pretty much finish up the FedEx cup season, you had to pick up to try to finish up the DP world tour season. And then there was very, 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 very little off time in between. Whereas now, I mean, two and a half, three months is a long time at home. Take it from someone who spent too much time at home the last month. Yeah. You really don't ever go two or three weeks without a, uh, uh, keeping your family in the rearview mirror. Shout out, bunkmate. Uh, look forward uh, to reconnecting uh, sometime. So you did mention Dustin Johnson. Uh, he was part of the team victory at Durrell. Dude banked more than $35 million. But earlier this week, we actually saw free agency come to live golf. Taylor Gooch is actually leaving uh, that victorious team to join Bubba Watson's crew, uh, while Peter Uline uh, is now reportedly on his way to DJ's crew, this free agency aspect, Rex, do you think this can actually catch on? The reason I ask is Tuesday, November 1st was the NFL trade deadline. Uh, I was affixed to Twitter waiting to see how my fantasy teams uh, would be impacted by all the comings and goings. To me, this is actually one of the most appealing aspects of the entire live structure, but I'm curious if it has any appeal to you and any enduring value as this thing actually transitions to the full team league format in 2023 no i think it does and because we've talked about this before like as sports fans forget about what sport as sports fans we love the transaction right like you and i can sit here and agree on the idea that the nba offseason is often more entertaining at least to me than the nba regular season Woj, Woj, schefter rap sheet just pass i mean these, these these guys have made careers out of being transactional reporters yes and, it's and that's it's what, a huge business And that's what they're trying to bring to golf. I don't know how that lands with the average sports fan. I I really don't. For someone who who follows this close enough, yes, I am am interested. And there was a lot of rumors last week at Doral about who was jumping to whose team and starting next year, every team has to have that fifth player to sort of sub in in case someone gets hurt or someone needs to be benched. And so there are elements to this that absolutely interest me because as a sports fan, the transaction is sort of motivational. You and I both sat and watched TV last night because we both have fantasy teams that are going to be impacted one way or the other by the deadline. If you have the same scenario in foot in golf, I, I don't know how people ignore that. Not at least not entirely. Like look, there's plenty of parts of this model that I don't pretend to think are going to resonate with your average sports fan. The 54 holes, the shotgun start, the team element. I just don't know. If that's really going to work, but this particular element, when you start talking about, even I was intrigued last week when I was hearing rumors about, oh, Taylor Gooch might be going to Dustin's team and and Phil Mickelson's trying to pick this player up and Bryson DeChambeau wants this player on his team. There's an element that's very interesting to me. Yeah. And look, the streaming numbers for live golf events have not been good. We're in the somewhere in like averaging the 50,000 viewer range uh, per round. That's, that's abysmal, but live has generated tons of attention by, you know, the, 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 the rumor mill, the, the players who, who might be jumping ship. It's become 
big business this year. I've, I guarantee when we look at uh, the biggest uh, stories that have generated the most page views on our website at the end of this year, like all the live transactions are probably going to be uh, among that top 10, 20, 25 stories of the year. People love that stuff. You look at Twitter engagement, like people are eating that stuff up. I think the exact same thing is true of now these, these transactional rumors of who might be coming and going for the teams. Because when you get down to it, live golf is still just the same boring golf on television, whether it's 54 holes, whether it's 72 holes, the actual product is very much the same. It's all this tangential stuff that actually holds appeal. Uh, and so I'm not sure whether that can uh, translate to long-term success. Uh, that certainly remains to be seen. Uh, but personally speaking, uh, the free agency uh, is one of the most appealing aspects. One player of live I did want to touch on, and you saw him last week at Doral uh, Rex, was Phil Mickelson. He squared off against Cameron uh, Smith in one of the singles matches, ended up losing that. But then Phil was in the broadcast booth on Sunday. And I couldn't help but think that that was probably Phil's immediate future. Yes, he came out of nowhere to win the PJ Championship in 2021. But by all accounts, uh, he was gunning for Nick Faldo's job as the lead analyst on CBS Sports. It was going to be a very cushy gig that would take him uh, for the next 10, 20 years. Years, I think you and I would both agree that Phil Mickelson is one of the best talkers in all of golf. And I couldn't help but think uh, that he'd harmed his career prospects by going to live. I understand he got a reported $200 million. He's going to now have equity, uh, an equity stake in his team going forward. Do you think he, Phil, I'm speaking of Phil Mickelson, do you think he harmed his legacy, Rex, by making this move uh, when he could have been a beloved figure? in the broadcast booth and really continued to kind of spread the Phil gospel for decades to come. He wasn't gunning for, for the job. He the job was his. I mean, let's, let's be clear about this. It's not as though he was out, you know, uh, trying. He to was auditioning people. during the 2020 PGA championship. They brought him in the booth at Harding park for an audition. It was outrageous. And, well, he was, he was competing. And, and I, like I said, I don't even think he was gunning. I think we all agreed that, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he is going to be the next guy who steps into the booth because he brings the combination of the resume. I mean, and we can all talk about that. He brings the, the personality. Well, if you think it's genuine or not, that's a different conversation. And he, he also understands, like, he, he's really good in sound bites, which you need to operate in small windows when it comes to TV. And he's actually very good at that. I will point in the other direction and say, I, I mean, this we'll never know because we will never know the actual how this would have played out. But let's take it for example, and this is a different monster, but it's a similar monster. Tom Brady has already agreed to a 10-year, $375 million deal that whenever he's done with football, he's going to go to Fox and become their face. And he's never done this before. He had never tried out. He has, he's never snuck into the booth and pretended. It did not work know, out well for Drew Brees, by the way. It, and it did not, even after the hair. Uh, I will argue that at least, he, that at least Phil put himself into this position and prove that, yes, he's going to be very, very good. He probably wasn't going to get a 10-year, $375 million deal, but my guess is he could have gotten a very good deal. And I'm, I'm curious that in the grand scheme of things, either he didn't realize it or he absolutely just wasn't interested in it. Because if you think about his legacy, it's going to be, there's going to be an asterisk on it regardless. However, this plays out with Liv Goff, and, and maybe it plays out in his favor. Maybe Liv Goff does come out 10 years. Yeah, from I mean, now. maybe, maybe he's the, maybe he's the change agent that he clearly has, has built he's himself. As the, yeah. But at least in the short term, we can both agree on the idea that he has harmed his legacy. 
that coming off of the year that he just had, starting in February with his comments on the Fire Pit Collective website story, all the way through to now, that he's come across as the villain. He's probably lost more fans than he's gained. He certainly has lost more corporate sponsorship money than he has gained over the last year. Now, if you kind of reverse that and you let him play out the strand and then go into the booth, again, not $375 million worth of, of booth money, but it's going to be quite a bit of money. I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that he made this play because he felt like it was the only play available, and I don't know if that's, that's actually the case. Wonder if Liv, as they did on Sunday, will bring him into the booth. Uh, that could certainly be appealing as they are currently uh, without a broadcast partner for their events uh, beginning in 2023. Rex, real quick before we transition to the PJ Tour, just want to let you folks know that it is a weekend of must-watch events on NBC and Peacock. It all begins with the horses. The Breeders' Cup Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Same time that Georgia's playing Tennessee. Don't you guys forget about that. Followed by the Clemson Tigers taking on Notre Dame in South Bend. And capped off, of course, with Saturday Night Live. They actually continue Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series Championship at 3 p.m. And the Titans battling the Chiefs in Sunday Night Football starting at 7 p.m. All on NBC and Peacock as you are most Welcome. Now, uh, streaming this week. Very smooth. That was, that was very gym, smooth. Of course, yeah. is uh, the Mayakoba Championship. Uh, this is uh, one that players absolutely love to attend. There's uh, white sand. Uh, there is the ocean. Uh, there is a pretty fun golf course, although I have not had an opportunity to play it. And it's a pretty good field this week. Think back to Kyle Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, uh, last week's winner, Seamus Power, or Seamus, uh, as our friend Mark uh, Schleball likes to call him, as well as Tony Fino making his season debut. Now, Rex, you and I uh, had an opportunity uh, to go on golf today uh, for a segment. They actually run this one, and we were talking about the things that we're most looking forward to seeing over the next two months. Uh, for me, a couple of those players are in the field this week, but what say you? What are you most looking forward to seeing, not just uh, this week at Mayakoba, but also the next uh, couple of months? Oh, well, I leaned into Rory. Like, the idea of how he's going to close this season is is going to be a fun tale to watch. When you consider where he was more or less at this point last year, like, let's just go back to the Ryder Cup, and we all know how awful that was for him in the emotions that sort of just overflowed on Sunday. And now fast forward to where we are right here. So he won the FedEx Cup. He got back to world number one. He had, but which was, by all accounts, a successful year, and now he has the opportunity to also win the DP world tour championship in a few weeks in Dubai. And he's leading that list as well. That's an accomplishment. I mean, Henrik Stenson did it before and then Luke Donald before him, but outside of that, I mean, it's a very, very small list of players who can even try to do it, let alone pull it off. And I think at least the way Rory seems to compartmentalize things and he seems to set those micro goals, that this would be a huge micro goal. You mentioned Georgia. You okay with a huge, a huge micro, a, a huge micro goal. Is that an oxymoron? Uh, it would be an important micro goal to him. Fifth for the Georgia Bulldogs. You okay with that or no? Nope, they're third. Third is uh, the number you're looking for. Tennessee uh, somehow leapfrogged from uh, fourth uh, in the coaches, or excuse me, in the AP poll all the way to first in the first college football playoff. Georgia's number three. It's the, it is, uh, by ranking at least, the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. Uh, and I was not credentialed, as I mentioned last week, uh, as a member of the press uh, for NBCSports.com. Not that I'm at all bitter. Wow. But you tried. That's, a, that's the least you could do. I tried. If it makes you feel any better that ESPN only got two credentials to that game. 
It didn't. It did not make me feel better, nor did it make me feel better that like the Providence Journal uh, also got rejected. Did not. Or NBC Sports, uh, for God's sake, uh, let an alum in. It's not like I didn't pay out-of-state tuition uh, for four years and had to uh, pay loans uh, for the next seven after that. You mentioned Rory, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, Rex. Like, How would Rory grade his 2022? Statistically, one of the best years he has ever had striking the golf ball, playing the golf ball, chipping the golf ball. Like his short game numbers are absolutely off the charts. One of the best he's ever had. He put it up right up there uh, with 2014, which of course was a two major season, but like top tens in all four majors, three wins during the calendar year, still major list for the first time. Uh, continuing that streak uh, since summer 2014. Like, is this an A? Is this a B plus? Is this an A minus? How do you how do you kind of think of it? I don't think he's as hard on himself as let's say Justin Thomas, who won a major championship, and I think he called last season a D just like he just not? just yeah Justin Thomas just like berates himself like he won the players in twenty twenty one said it was a disappointing year this year he yeah. won uh, obviously yeah. the PGA championship the PGA. And, he, and he and he said like he he's he wasn't frustrated but he just he feels like it wasn't enough yeah. like, I don't think so, I don't I, think Rory's as harsh of a grader. I think the players' championship year two years ago was the D minus year for Justin Thomas. And I remember him saying that, thinking to myself, "Man, if we could only be, if we could all be so lucky to have D minus years." Um, I think the consistency certainly factors into this for Rory. And the major championships are going to be the one place where you're going to point to and say uh, a player of Rory's caliber needs to come through more often. And, and look, the, the the Grand Slam drought is now past a decade, and it's going to be something that only gets more and more difficult. It doesn't get easier from here as he gets older and he gets further away from that last major championship victory, it's only going to manifest itself more and more. However, when you look at how he finished the season, I mean, I don't think there's any debating that he clearly was the best player at the tour championship. Like you can, we can talk about strokes base. Scotty Scheffler had a six shot lead. Exactly. I mean, he came, he went after Scotty Scheffler and caught Scotty Scheffler. And I just think that when you look at the season overall, he's going to be much more friendlier to himself than Justin Thomas, I, I would guess somewhere around B, B plus. Oh, geez, I think it's higher than that. I think he's looking at like Maybe. an A minus. Maybe because he's very process oriented. So to your point, if he looks, if he can look at it, all of the major statistical categories and with a smile on his face and think, oh, yeah, that's the stuff right there and get a little, little juice out of it, then, yeah, you're probably right. Probably an A. Yeah, like as, I think especially if he wins in Dubai, he's looking at this year as an A, A minus, a major championship. Uh, obviously would have been the cherry on top and make it on a plus year. But like Rory basically did everything except win a major championship vaulted back to world number one for the ninth time. His career and won it, the FedEx. It's a big, title, which it's is, a big is accept, but yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge accept, but they're all only four uh, a year. They're very difficult to win. You need a lot of bounces to go your way. I think the only, I mean, if he's, if he's kicking himself for one, certainly he had an opportunity to win uh, at, uh, the PGA championship at Southern Hills. He was uh, right there in the hunt going into the weekend and kicked that away uh, in very difficult conditions, which did allow me then Rex to trot out my favorite stat that Roy McIlroy has never won a major championship when single digits under par was the winning score, but uh, most misleading stat ever. You, you keep yes, throwing because, that in the air. Like yes, it's because you're, you're he's so dom- proud of it. Yes. Because he dominated those fields. So, so badly uh, in 2011. And I'm trying to think of the other one that he one in 2012 the u.s opened the pga at Kiowa. yeah exactly yeah 2012 pga 2011 uh u.s open he dominated those fields so badly uh, that he was the only player at uh, double digits under par however these facts are facts rex and roy McIlroy 
has never won a tournament in which single digits under par was the winning score. I don't know what to tell you. Facts are facts. Uh, European media, uh, European uh, golf fans uh, continually chirp at me about that, but facts are the facts. I don't care about your context. Now, you mentioned Rory. I'm going to go on the other side of the spectrum with who I'm looking forward to seeing over the next couple of months. And to me, that's the man that he replaced. That's Scotty Shuffler. He's playing this week at Maya Kobe. He's playing next week in Houston. He's also in the field for the Hero World Challenge uh, in early December, which is an event uh, that still offers world ranking points, albeit uh, on a limited basis. I'm curious to see where Scotty's mindset is over these last couple of weeks of the year. Because look, this is a guy who held the number one spot since the WGC match play in Austin in late March, 30-week reign at the top of the world rankings. Didn't have, to, didn't have an opportunity to win over the last couple of months. I think back to Colonial Tournament that you covered, lost at a playoff to Sam Burns, finished one shot uh, uh, away from Matt Fitzpatrick at the U.S. Open, obviously had a six-shot lead that he coughed up on the final day at the Tour Championship. Like He was very, very close from having one of the best seasons that we've had in recent memory. And yet it still kind of feels like on November 2nd that he's still kind of smarting. Like he, he didn't win that U S open. He didn't win that FedEx cup title. He did lose the world number one ranking. A lot of that can be attributed to a ice cold putter. He's even uh, switched models, which is something he hasn't done uh, for the past dozen years, but I'm kind of curious to where his heads, his head is at this point. Like we would have thought Scotty Scheffler breakout player of 2022 would have been a shoe in for story of the year. Obviously, Liv then came along. Obviously, Rory uh, then came along and stole a couple of those crowns from him. But what do you think about Scotty uh, at this juncture? Because it, it is it does kind of feel like a strange spot for him. He was on such a heater, uh, and now he's cooled off. Well, and I feel like this is sort of the danger of what we do, right? Like, we're going to sit here and do the comparison shopping thing because that, that's what takes up the time and fills the time between commercials. However... Using wins and losses in golf as a true measurement of, of how good or poor your season was is a really bad way of trying to identify who the best player was. I, I truly believe that because if you look, Scotty Scheffler had the best spring of anyone in the game by far. He won four or five starts heading up into and including the Masters Championship. It was phenomenal what he did, and that was starting from zero. Let's keep in mind that Phoenix victory, which kind of got him going. That was his breakthrough victory on the PGA Tour. Before that, he was still just Did not have a victory on the PGA Tour until Super Bowl Sunday. It's like an unfathomable. And then it, it turns around in a, in a matter of weeks, really, and he becomes world number one. You're right. When you point to the end of the season, I, I don't think he did anything terribly wrong. I don't think he was nearly as consistent as he was to start out the season in the spring. But you're right. You look at what he did at the Tour Championship. He clearly didn't have his best stuff on Sunday. I don't think he had his best stuff all week long. If you look at what he did at the U.S. Open, a couple bounces go his way. He could very, very easily be a two-time major champion this year. You're right. There's probably a level of frustration, which seems silly, actually, in retrospect, in my mind, because, again, I think wins and losses in golf are a terrible measurement of success or failure. But in this particular case, I would be more accustomed to just celebrating the season, which I think is what Rory did at Eastlake when he was asked about player of the year voting. And it was, no, this is very, very easy. Like Scotty Scheffler is the player of the year. I won the FedEx cup. Those are two. I mean, I I certainly think that we can, we can celebrate the season. I'm talking about at a time of year when players are probably lacking for motivation. You don't have a major championship now for what, five or six months. Like Scotty Scheffler should have plenty of it as he plays his final two uh, regular PGA tour events of the year. And then tiger's uh, hero at the end of the year. That's, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. And I see where you're going with that. And certainly 
the putting does concern me because if you would have asked me, and we've had this conversation about Colin Morikawa on numerous occasions, that the ball striking is sublime. I'm just not quite sure. You predicted he'd fall outside the top 25 uh, next year, not this year. Yep, we're going to have to wait to see how that one. That would be that would be impossible. He's number he's number nine right now, but next year by the end of the year he should he certainly could fall. Uh, so the top 25 with a bad year. I'm not, I'm not buying it, but of course uh, that is your hill that you'd like to die on. I think we had a meeting, what was it two days ago or yesterday where, where someone in, in our staff, I'm not going to name any names, but actually went through some of your predictions last year. And I think of the five or six things that he threw out there, one of them oh, was, was right. It was totally outrageous. I would need to, I would need to pull it up. I definitely predicted John Rom would finish. I believe all like top five and all four majors. I mean, I predicted that Kyle Morikawa was going to, win player of the year. And of course he did not win a single tournament in 2022. Like you or never could have seen that. You never could or have seen that coming or, uh, or that. Uh, or you could, you, you, we could sit here and talk about, okay, there's certain things in players games that if they don't have it on a weekend and week out basis, it's going to set off alarm bells and putting is one of them. And look, you can, we can sit here and say that if it's a player like Roy McElroy, where the ball striking in the T degree game is so small, strong that he probably doesn't need to have a great putting week, certainly not to contend, maybe to win from time to time. I don't know that Morikawa is in that category. And I don't know that I ever looked at Scotty's game and thought to myself, wow, like it's very, very good. Like he, he's a solid player. He's super solid. Like throughout the bag, he does not have a weakness. That's that's Scotty. Scotty's greatest strength is that he does not have a weakness. And I never saw putting being the weakness, but I guess as we've gotten towards the end of the year, and certainly this cropped up at the president's cup when everything was a celebration in the U S team room, he was kind of the one sour face, you know, on the putting green late at night with the, with the floodlights on working with Steve Stricker, the assistant captain, trying to find some sort of solution. So there is a level of aggravation there that he's going to have to figure out, but I, I don't know that I'm looking at his season. Again, we can sit and grade these seasons. I don't know how you say his season was anything other than an A, maybe even an A plus. Oh, Scotty Scheffler's an, uh, that was an A plus season. Sure. Like it could have been, I, I wouldn't debate it, that. Like, would it have been an A plus plus if you, when, when the we FedEx start Cup? handing out two pluses, when did that happen? Well, when did, when did GPA start being above 4.0? Um, I, I kids, don't know. Kids, you, kids need like a 4.5 to get into state college here in Gainesville. I'm not going to mention the University of Florida by name, of course, but to get in the state college here at Gainesville, you need like a 4.5. It's a uh, 4.0 need, scale. How is that possible? Uh, take it from a parent who has gone through this exercise. You don't need that to get into uh, Florida State. Uh, no, uh, no, you certainly do not. And apparently you don't, uh, to, to get to Georgia, uh, you just need to be able to pony up uh, all that out-of-state tuition, even though it's not going to help you, what, 15, 17 years uh, after graduation. Just skimming through uh, some, of these, much. some of these uh, predictions. Sure to go awry. Play of the year, Kyle Morikawa. Ready to make the leap. Maverick McNeely. Still waiting for that one. I still believe it will come true. Blowout of the year. President's Cup. That sure didn't look like the case uh, on Saturday evening. Drop most likely to end. Roy at the Masters. Nope. I'll keep nope. predicting that one. Uh, Brooks and Bryson. Who's going to have the better year? I said Bryson. I actually think that one was true. That Bryson Ashambo uh, had the better let's year. Let's call that one a top, wash. At least he had a top that's, 10 in a major. Let's call it a wash. Needing to make a statement, Dustin Johnson. Uh, that was, I based that one on Dustin had such a great uh, end to 2020, uh, kind of an indifferent 2021. I thought he'd come out uh, guns blazing in 2022. He certainly made a statement of a different kind as being the biggest name. <laughs> Didn't see that uh, other the, thing. The, coming, first, did you? the first big name to jump uh, to live and really uh, let that water flaw, uh, let that waterfall. Flow most likely to step back. Louis Ustazen 
Nailed it. Yep. Most likely to bounce back. JT wins a major. Tiger returns at St. Andrews. He did play at St. Andrews. He did uh, play. Not his right. return date and tournament of the year. I said the Open Championship. Uh, I think it's hard to argue that one. Certainly, we'll have a, a bunch of season-ending um, pods to fill up our December calendar where we can debate things. I don't want to hear your answer now. Best tournament of the year, Open Championship, and I am sticking. I'm assuming for me it. it's going to be the RSM Classic, so I'm going to have to wait a couple of weeks. Yes, of course. Uh, the fifth major, if not uh, the fourth. You are home this weekend, although you were playing in a member guest. As I mentioned, I am home. I'm not going to be in Athens. I'm not going to be at Sanford Stadium uh, covering it for this uh, behemoth of a company at NBC Sports. Not that at all. I am bitter. You got any other plans besides uh, Sobel carrying you around for 36 holes? Uh, yeah, he's going to have to carry me. There's like uh, there's uh, three nine-hole matches on Saturday. Like this is, a, this is more of a marathon than it is a sprint, it feels I like. mean, you it, have a car. a lot of golf. Uh, I'm not saying that, that I, I should not. Physi- be you're not saying it's it. physically taxing. I'm sure it will be physically taxing, but like, it doesn't sound to me like golf is the priority. It sounds like very much a drinking contest, uh, in which you would you would lose like ten and eight. Uh, no, I no, under normal circumstances, I kind of like my chances. The Z pack that I just uh, went to the doctor <laughs> to get probably is not going to help the situation. Did you did you mention that you have a member guest that you need something that is going to allow you to to drink just hundreds of ounces of, of liquid this weekend? Uh, pardon me, doctor. Does the Z pack miss with my IPA as well? Just out of curiosity, asking for a friend. Uh, we'll have to get a full report. That's going to be uh, the Joel. That's going to be the Joel Shookman tangent uh, to begin next week's uh, Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll obviously be talking at Georgia, uh, Georgia Tennessee game uh, for the other fifteen minutes, as I'll be watching at home uh, at my buddy's house. But that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you guys next week.